Hello and welcome to Vista Talks. Today we're doing a special rewind episode. It's the second time we've done this and I'm delighted to be joined by Maria Roja, Gregory Tuhig and of course Jordan Knights. In this episode it's a little bit different to our normal output. We're going to be discussing some of our favourite episodes that have taken place over the last calendar year uh, and let you know why we liked some of those episodes in particular. So, Maria, I want to start with you. It's been a whole year of Vista Talks. You're relatively new to the Vista Talks podcast. I know you've got some exciting uh, podcast episodes lined up already for the new year ahead. But in relation to what you've heard so far, some of the episodes I know you would have caught up with, was there any episode in particular that, that sort of caught your attention that you can share uh, with us? My favorite 2021 episode was the one we did with Matilda Jacobson from Freshland. I believe it was episode 71. As many of you probably know, she's an entrepreneur disrupting the food industry by connecting farmers directly to consumers and selling what it is in season. For people who have an entrepreneurial soul like me, this is such an inspirational episode. She tells us all about how she came up with the idea just by drinking a glass of fresh orange juice at a friend's house in Portugal how they started selling oranges from one supplier and now they have over a thousand farmers all around the world. But what is most interesting to me is how she started B2C by selling eight pounds orange packs to consumers. Then when she had an extensive list of clients went into B2B and finally went back to B2C after realizing that if she used any intermediaries, her product would be kept in warehouses and lose its freshness. This is how she went back to her roots, selling directly from farmers to consumers and using trees as a natural warehouse. This is not only a beautiful idea, it is also an idea that saves 10% of food waste. If you have not seen Matilda's episode yet, I want to invite you to do so. You will not regret it. Matilda Jacobson, I remember very well. Uh, Matilda's doing some fantastic uh, work in sustainable um, uh, model uh, when it comes to disrupting the food tech startup category right Maria yes and um, I really like uh, what Matilda's doing and really from quite small humble beginnings she's growing internationally uh, she's in a lot of countries now at this stage and she's growing out of her offices in Copenhagen if I remember correctly and I know that she was also um, recognized wasn't she by the Women's Economic Forum for um, woman of the decade mm -hmm. so she's definitely uh, blazing a trail when it comes to disrupting the food supply chain business and continued success to Matilda that's a great one to kick us off with and yeah I think it was episode 71 so if anybody hasn't caught Matilda's episode do check it out and do also check out Freshland the company that Matilda's uh, busy with so um, Jordan maybe we we go to you uh, we ask you what, what you looked uh, at, whether you watched it or listened to it on audio only for Vista Talks over the last year. Anything in particular that stood out for you this year? Yeah, sure. So after, either, you know, we've recorded about 20 plus episodes this year. And out of all the episodes we produced so far, I'd probably say my favourite was episode uh, 68 featuring Ruth Dollar from Visit Sweden. Uh, for all those that have yet to listen to the episode, Roof is responsible for the positioning uh, of Sweden across the international tourist destination. She predominantly works in the Indian and Asian markets and helps sort of navigate their marketing and operations to help promote international tourism. 
but without giving too much away about the episode, uh, Ruth actually is, is very uh, knowledgeable on the Irish, talks in depth about how Visit Sweden has adapted and pivoted during the pandemic, as you may all know, that travel's been quite uh, hard over the last two years with uh, most places having uh, tightened restrictions uh, due to the pandemic. As a fellow marketeer, I was actually quite impressed by the creative approach that Ruth and the Visit Sweden team took to the pandemic. Instead of waiting out the pandemic like the majority of companies are or have, uh, Visit Sweden actually pivoted and turned their focus on something called staycations. So for those that have yet to really hear the term staycation, staycation is where you focus on taking vacations uh, in your local area, uh, focusing on leisure or activities around the area that within a day's sort of trip distance. So it could be anything from museums to cult uh, cultural heritage sites or anything of the sorts. Uh, that's what Visit Sweden kind of turned their focus on. So instead of focusing on international, they focused on local. Visit Sweden, they took staycations to the next level uh, and founded two new initiatives, actually, uh, the Drinkable Country and the Edible Country. Both of these initiatives focused on creating safe, isolated areas across the entirety of Sweden where individuals could reserve open-air tables or bars, uh, depending on what you fancy, uh, which often are found in forests or very isolated, beautiful areas within the Swedish sort of landscape. And there they could partake in drinking and eating food that have been crafted by Michelin starred chefs and beverage experts using local ingredients that actually foraged from the area that you stay in. So you can actually go around and look for the ingredients that you're eating. Very cool stuff. Uh, but there's more as well. Like Roof did also touch on additional uh, initiatives that Visit Sweden have been working on during the pandemic over this episode as well. And one of the bigger ones is what uh, they're currently doing with Stockholm where they're focusing on uh, promoting that Stockholm itself is an inclusive city within the inclusive country that is Sweden. Ruth mentions how Sweden has actually recently set up a government board dedicated to actually exploring and eradicating all gender bias from, uh, from that kind of society, which also includes stuff like the gender in bias that might be represented in educational books, for example, which I think is extremely interesting given the current narrative. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more, John. I, I remember when we spoke with Ruth um, from Visit Sweden because it was a, a heck of a turnaround, wasn't it? That Ruth's job was kind of marketing and selling Sweden abroad internationally um, to get people to obviously visit Sweden. Yeah. But of course, with the pandemic and when the, the airline route shut down and the governments in various countries went into lockdown, so that that business completely stopped, you know, tourism into Sweden and lots of countries really sort of slowed down significantly, if not stopped completely for a period of time. And I remember Ruth explaining how they had to completely flip their strategy, didn't they? They had to sort of move from selling externally or selling to external um, tourists to selling back to their own citizens and people living throughout the country to get them to experience the outdoor in a safe uh, uh, manner and I think yeah the was it the edible country and the drinkable country is that what you said Jordan? yeah it was the edible and drinkable yeah country. I, I remember that initiative I thought it was fascinating that they sort of got this national uh, campaign going with these Michelin five-star chefs uh, which I think is um, a testament to that team's sort of agility and flexibility to, to change things up when they needed to and I think things have you know things have started to pick up again in that area in terms of tourism where we go from here remains to be seen but uh, yeah it was a great story that's actually a really good one as well um visit sweden i've actually referenced ruth and that conversation to a few people since we recorded that episode because i think it's such a great example of 
how all of a sudden the content, the story, the narrative, and also the audience for that content story and narrative changed completely pretty much overnight and how they had to had to adapt rapidly uh, to that change in landscape. So that's a really good one, Jordan. Thanks for that. And uh, Gregory Tuig, last but by no means least, same question, Vista Talks over the last 12 months. You were here for the previous Rewind episode where we, where we talked about the episodes from two years ago, but over the last 12 months, I know you're an avid listener and you look forward to the new people that join us for the podcast. Anything that stuck out for you this year, Greg? Yeah, I mean, there's been so many episodes this year with really, really great guests. Um, but there was one specifically that really stood out to me just because it kind of it spoke to me as a, a marketer. And that was uh, episode 69 with Mel McVeigh, uh, Mel McVeigh from Condé Nast. It was obviously a very big company with lots of brands, a publication company, Vogue, The New Yorker. Um, I think they have, I think it was 12 brands in total or 12, 12 companies within their umbrella. So huge global company. Um, but the conversation was so interesting because it started off with Mel talking about how the publishing world is such an intersection between creativity and delivery. And you know, there are so many aspects to her role that require both in tandem and figuring out complex problems. And it really reflected her own experience as well, because she, her previous roles as a, a product manager and a program manager, um, but, you know, her, her background in photography and art, obviously the more creative side of her. And um, so even in her own personal life, she had to kind of marry these two entities that were so separate. Um, and the reason that resonated with me so much was because I think, you know, in our in our team in marketing, and I'm sure a lot of marketing teams across the world, there's always this issue of how do you make your creativity deliverable? How do you take all these, you know, abstract ideas? How do you make them into assets? How do you make them into things that you need to deliver to clients? And this is something that, you know, I, I think we all deal with in different ways. I certainly... I certainly have to think about this when I'm, you know, working with the sales team, delivering assets to clients. Um, and, you know, Mel was also talking about how, you know, creatives also need a lot of structure as well. So, you know, creatives need briefs, they need instructions on how to do things. But on the other hand, you don't want to be too restricted on how you work as a creative because you need to have, you need to let that creativity flow a lot. Um, and it also kind of... It, Another point that Mel made, which she had talked about, um, it was the, the topic of her keynote in the Think Global Forum Summit Week was puzzles explored as a mystery, um, which again, really, the more I thought about it, the more it resonated with me because, you know, in our roles in, in marketing and a, a lot of roles in a lot of different companies, you have a lot of puzzles or a lot of problems that you need to solve. And instead of treating them like puzzles, you treat them like mysteries where the answer isn't always obvious, but what you need to do is be curious. You need to explore and um, you need to kind of dive headfirst into these problems, not really knowing what the outcome might be. You might go in a completely different direction than what you anticipated. And, you know, that's definitely something that I think that we, we also deal with in, in our roles in marketing um, you know, on the technical side of things, exploring new tools, new ways of doing things, improving processes, 
sometimes we go into projects and we come out of it with a completely different outcome than maybe what we expected but it can often be way better than what we expected and um, so the benefits are really clear there and the final thing I just wanted to talk about that Mel touched on which you know more on a personal level I found really interesting was how we kind of perceive and consume content she had compared Condé Nast and um, which obviously is a huge company that has a lot of complex business operations and you know in order to make it truly digital which you know they're they're releasing their or they have released their first digital edition in so many countries around the world but before they could get to that point they had to figure out how do you talk to each individual audience you know how, how do you make such a complex structure into a global maybe you know more uniform structure so to speak um, and she compared that with Netflix, who she, you know, she had mentioned was a more simple product. The product itself doesn't change, but it's just the delivery of it. Coming back to the first point, the delivery of it is all across the world. And people's expectations of content changes so much as well, because some of the biggest shows in the world have been from Korea and Spain. Um, they haven't been predominantly English speaking shows um, and her point was that originally people may have thought that people don't want to read subtitles but clearly that's not the case because people have been watching shows from different languages dubbed, subtitled um, and our kind of our space for consuming uh, content has kind of broadened and in my personal life I definitely think that that has changed for me as well. The, the realm of content that's accessible has broadened so much. Um, yeah, so I just found the entire thing really interesting. It kind of, it gave me a lot of questions as well as answering some. So I thought it was great. Do you know, Greg, just as you're talking there, it makes me realize just how much information is packed into an episode. Yeah. I mean, what you've just described there, just from Mel McVeigh's episode, it's incredible. And I know there's more in that episode. Uh, that was episode 69. And Mel is a, a phenomenal uh, person to, to listen to. Uh, she very kindly, didn't she? She spoke, uh, she did deliver the keynote really for the Think Global Forum Summit Week, which was, which was exceptional. And the work that she's been involved in now, as you say, to sort of collaborate this online digital edition across all these countries and territories and cultures, I'm sure it wasn't easy, but uh, Mel is certainly uh, pivotal in making all that that happen. And when you think about the Condé Nast, you mentioned the Condé Nast brand a few times there. And I know she's the, the vice president of uh, product commerce and consumer brands at Condé Nast. So she's got a very wide remit as the VP. But whether it's, you know, Condé Nast or, you know, they look after Vogue, G GQ, Condé Nast Traveller, uh, Architects Digest, Allure. There's there's lots of properties and portfolios under that umbrella, and um, it yeah, th there was just so much packed into that episode. So I think that's another. We've had three great three great suggestions there, or three great mentions of the episodes that we've done over the last year. I think Matilda Jacobson from Freshland for the the disruption, Maria that you spoke about, and uh, Jordan. I think the visit Sweden and that sort of agility and change in that had to go on. And also the inclusion elements that Ruth Dollar um, explained from a Visit Sweden perspective. And I think that's a great choice as well, Greg. Mel McVeigh from Condé Nast, that is an exceptional 
uh, episode as well, which was which, there's, there's so much in it. It's really, really good uh, to mention that. Um, I think if I could maybe throw my hat into the ring and just give you a couple off the top of my head as well. Um, I think the ones I just want to give a nod, a little nod of an acknowledgement to Tammy Darcy. Uh, for anybody who doesn't know, Tammy was episode 67. And Tammy looks after the show and a project, which is a really important project, particularly for young uh, schoolgirls. And she's done projects that delivered workshops across 13,000 uh, young uh, girls across schools in Ireland at this moment in time. And she is taking uh, the Shona Project International um, uh, over time. And she, she's a really doing something really, really special there. So if you haven't tuned into the Shona Project um, and what Tammy Das is doing, do check out episode 67. So I just wanted to acknowledge that. I thought that was a particularly good uh, initiative that, that, that's been done there. Of course, I have to mention Natalie Kelly back in the localization world. Uh, Natalie Kelly was a, an interview I was looking forward to doing, and Natalie and I eventually got time to catch up and to talk about all things localization at HubSpot. She's the, the vice president of localization for HubSpot, which I'm sure a lot of people listening know who HubSpot is. But she's also a published author with Penguin Random House. And... Um, on top of that, she's a board member at Multilingual Magazine, which I'm sure some of our audience as well will be very familiar with Multilingual Magazine. Uh, she's an author of Born to be Global, which is um, Natalie's sort of blog post, which I know is very well read throughout the language industry. And she's also a contributor to the Harvard Business Review. So there was an awful lot to talk about with Natalie. I won't go into the, the details of it here, but I think for people that haven't checked out the Natalie Kelly episode, it's certainly worthwhile doing. Um, but, I, but I enjoyed so many discussions this year. I particularly like catching up with an old uh, friend and colleague from my British Telecom days, which was uh, back in BT with Mary Cahillan, who is sort of the, the ambassador, steward and person running the BT Young Scientist exhibition, which has, you know, over 100,000 participants over its, over its time. I mean, it's a huge... Um, production that goes into it and they had to move everything online uh, a little bit like the Visit Sweden uh, discussion Jordan they had to move everything online for their the BT Young Science exhibition so it was great to catch up with Mary to hear all about how she coordinated that from an international perspective and just a couple more if I can um, I mean it was great to catch up with uh, Alberto Ferreira I haven't spoken to him in a, in a while but he's doing some great things when it comes to U UX research and innovation and of course, um, maybe I'll finish with Mark Pollock. Um, Mark Pollock also spoke at the Think Global Forum Summit Week. He delivered a masterclass for us. And for those people that don't know or haven't tuned into episode 65, uh, Mark is, uh, I suppose that now he's a, a public speaker, a motivational type speaker, but he was an adventure athlete. Um, he was sort of one of these people that did the ultra endurance races you know, across deserts and up mountains and around the pyramids and all these kind of uh, very difficult um, endurance races. And, you know, he's also the first blind person to have actually raced to the South Pole, uh, which is incredible uh, when you think about it. And I know he's won silver and bronze at the Commonwealth Games, but what was particularly interesting was he shared with us that Microsoft CEO... Satya Nadella, who is known to a lot of people, of course, as the CEO of Microsoft, when, when Satya met Mark, he said that Mark was one of the most in, inspiring people he'd ever met. And it was such a privilege for us to have Mark speak uh, and deliver a masterclass to everybody that joined our week-long Think Global Forum Summit Week. 
Uh, Mark, for those of you who uh, are not familiar with the story, not only was struck down with blindness and took, you know, many years to sort of find himself again and continue with his life, then fell out of a three-story window and is paralyzed. Um, and, you know, spends time working with Silicon Valley companies with what he calls his robotic legs and continues to do miraculous things. He's on a personal mission to cure paralysis in his lifetime. Only recently, in the last month of us recording this, Mark has, Mark has um, well, what has taken place is Mark's Run in the Dark program, which where people run for charity, uh, for, for a non-profit cause, of course, uh, running in the dark around the world, which has been going now for many, many years. So do check out Mark Pollock. He's got his own website. Do check out Run in the Dark, but certainly do have a listen to episode 65, where we caught up with Mark Pollock. He's an exceptional human being, uh, a true inspiration. And when he spoke at the Think Global Forum Summit Week, the feedback we got was incredible. So I think I probably, there were many people, I enjoyed all the all the interviews we've done this year. Such a great mix of people, expertise and topics. But for me, just off the top of my head, they'd be the ones that probably stood out the most for me. So um, as we move forward, I suppose, We've had another great year of Vista Talks. We're rapidly approaching 100 episodes, which is mind-blowing. Uh, I know Maria has got some episodes coming up, and thanks to Gregory and Jordan and Maria and everybody on the team at Vista Talks behind the scenes that pulls all this together. For anybody that's been involved in podcasting, whether it's video and audio uh, type shows, there's normally a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes, so I just want to say thanks uh, publicly to everybody who's involved in the production and we hope that you the audience uh, listening or watching to this or maybe a bit of both um, continue to enjoy Vista Talks it's been such a pleasure to provide these shows to the community and we really look forward to the year ahead and maybe hopefully this time next year we'll be sitting here for another rewind episode yeah and I'm, I'm really excited for uh, next year and to reach 100 episodes uh, I'm also very honored that I'm going to be a guest on an episode in January I think um, so that'll be really exciting. Yeah, and just I've, uh, I've forgotten about that, Jordan. Sorry, I've forgotten that Greg's going to be on an episode. So I can't wait to see that one, Greg. That's that's my what claim I look to forward fame. to seeing. Yeah, sorry, Jordan, go ahead. I was going to say, just want to quick mention as well. We have updated our websites as well. So Vista Talk now is its own dedicated website with its own unique branding. You can find all of our episodes there, all the way up to the current, including this one. Uh, and you'll be able to also find these episodes on our Google uh, and Spotify and uh, Apple playlists as well. Oh, that's a great point. Yeah, no, there's some great work on into the Vista Talks dedicated website at vistatalks.com. So do check out all the episodes there. And as Jordan said, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, whether you Spotify uh, Podcasts, which I know is growing uh, in, po in popularity by the day, uh, wherever you get your podcasts, we're probably there. So thanks, Jordan. That's actually a good one to remember. Greg, looking forward to your episode. Maria, any last thoughts? Well, I would like to thank you all for taking me into the team, and I'm looking forward to work on the 2022 season. Very good. I'm looking forward to that too, Maria. So thank you to Maria. Thank you to Jordan. And thank you to Greg. Uh, I look forward to doing another Rewind episode, uh, maybe around this time next year again. When we will have three years of Vista Talks, we are, as I say, rapidly going to blast through 100 episodes, which is incredible from where we started from. Our guests are just fantastic. Thank you to everybody who's been a guest 
on the podcast and taken the time to join us. It's been an absolute privilege and a pleasure to spend time with these people and to share their stories with you. So uh, please keep listening, please keep watching, and we look forward to doing more next year. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.